you know, and, and I, I get to work with a lot of teens and it's about cultivating a skill set because we know nobody's born with focus, confidence, self-discipline. Nobody's born with any of those life skills. And the good news is, as a parent, I know it can be taught and through practice, it can become habit. Teens podcast where we talk about life and leadership with teens and their parents. I'm Rachel and due to sickness I'm flying solo today but I'm looking forward to today's show where I am going to be talking with Brandon Beliso. Brandon serves individuals, businesses, and companies in living their best life. As a critical thinker and influencer his passion is to inspire the discovery of purpose. He's a TEDx talk speaker and has presented for many major corporations such as Facebook and been featured on many major media outlets. He's an eighth degree black belt and CEO of One Martial Arts, a school that has several locations in California. He has competed in and won over 100 major competitions. He is an author and the creator of Kids Love Life Skills, a character building system partnered with over 300 schools. Brandon also serves small businesses and martial arts school owners through the world with his It's Time Consulting. He's the author of Live, Learn, Grow, a contributor to the internationally bestseller Black Belt Power and has written features for several major martial arts magazines and blogs. He's also written a children's book, The Adventures of Bray and Tay. Brandon has been a featured guest on podcasts ranging from mindset to culture building to defining your purpose. He hosts a local Facebook live show and podcast, Success Never Sleeps, and Mindful Meditations. Brandon was also a recording artist in the Philippines with three top 10 hits. He's a proud and dedicated husband and father, but most of all, Brandon is committed to being a student for life and serving others. Listening to him speak, reading what he's written, seeing how he lives, he is a true example of a servant leader. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. I'm very grateful to be here, Rachel. Yeah, hearing all that you've accomplished, you would think, yeah, but Brandon must have had a great start. But really, your start was not really ideal, was it? No. I mean, <laughs> uh, at an age of 11 months, straight into a foster home, because my parents were very neglectful. And so my sister and I spent the better part of the next three, four years in foster care. And then when we got out of that, uh, my mom, my father was very physically abusive to my mom and us, and she eventually left him for his best friend, because it was really her only way out. And yeah, so I've got I got lots of war stories, lots of them. So how did you overcome your circumstances and not get trapped in the cycle of poverty and abuse yourself? You know, that's I think we're all works in progress, so it's a never-ending thing, but. Once I found a state of balance, I recognized there's good and bad in all of our lives. And we put so much weight on not suffering in a Western culture. So we tend to, you know, binge on TV, drugs, alcohol. I mean, it's, it goes on and on where, as, as I studied Eastern philosophy, suffering is just part of life. Right. And, and if I recognize it doesn't happen to me, it happened for me then I'm able to learn from it and share that with the world to hopefully serve people that might have a kinship with 
you know, similar suffering. Yeah, that is such a good point. I've, I've noticed that myself too, because my parents uh, were missionaries in a third world country for more than 20 years. And I, going over there, I would notice that people just kind of accepted that bad things happen and you, you rejoice when good things happen, but you know, it's not like in, here in America, we tend to like do everything we can to avoid feeling uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's no growth there really. No, and, and as the saying goes, you know, you want to be comfortable being uncomfortable. Right. And whether it's life or business or raising kids, you know, you, you got you to gotta be willing to be uncomfortable because it's inevitable, right? Yeah. Always in our relationships and everything that we do. So was that a gradual uh, awareness for you or was it all of a sudden one day, all of a sudden you're like, man, this, I got to change. Uh, I mean, we all hear about those aha moments. And I think one is being fully awake, right? As they say, unplug from the matrix, be awake. Right. And once you're fully engaged in your own life, and I don't mean that in an egotistical way. I mean, it's very, very humbling to pull back your own covers and look at yourself and go, wow, I can do this better and I have to change this habit and I need to work on this. And it's very humbling. And when we do that, we recognize it isn't, any one grandiose breaststroke it really is a lifelong investment right it's right. a lifelong investment so there isn't any really one aha moment i mean i can tell you many i remember being in the philippines as a recording artist i had the number one song i was going to sing on a show and i was sitting in traffic which is very normal in a third world country and i was huffing and puffing and acting like an idiot and then almost like slow motion i looked at the side of the road and there was a squatter which is basically, you know, somebody that's dirt poor. And I mm-hmm. don't know if he was playing with a rock or a stick or what he was doing, but I looked at him and he had everything that I didn't have. He was happy, he was in a state of bliss, no matter what chaos and poverty was going on around him, he had what I didn't with my car, my driver, my six bedroom house, you know, fame, mm-hmm. he had everything. And I was pretty ashamed of myself and I slunk down in that back seat and I said, wow, I need to make some big changes here. So that's one of those aha moments for sure. Yeah. Yeah, you would think, you know, in, in America, we're, we're a really blessed nation. You know, most of us live very well. Yes. We should be the happiest. We should be the happiest people on the planet, right? But that just goes to prove that it's not, your happiness doesn't come from what you have. Well, and and, and in the TED Talk that I did, Happy on Purpose, you know, I make it my purpose to be happy. And it's not a Hallmark greeting card. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to be happy. Get enough sleep, Mm. eat healthy, certain habits and rituals we invest in to keep that state of mind of happiness, right? And so Mm -hmm. it it is. We're taught in this culture to avoid suffering at all costs. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Uh, failure is a bad thing. That's what we teach in school. Failure is a bad thing, which really we I really wish we didn't teach <laughs> teach kids that. Well, and and not to cut you off, Rachel. I just got back from my son's basketball tournament, and he's thirteen. And to witness some of the parents and the coaches, they were just it's appalling behavior. But it was all about winning at all costs. And I think that really serves up a mixed message to our teens about being better people and learning from our losses and, and those different things. 
Yeah. Yeah, if you didn't learn anything, it doesn't matter if you won. Yeah. I mean, we ended up winning the championship. Um, My son didn't get a lot of playing time in the final game because he just joined this team three months ago. But in our second game, which we had lost, and it's, you know, accumulation in a division, he was asked to guard the best guy on the team. And I was very proud of that. And he went in there and he held this guy. And I told him later, I said, you know, you can win through a loss because he was bummed out that they lost. I said, you won because you went out there and you you played the best defense against the best player and you held him. And he looks at me and goes, all right, Papa, it doesn't feel very good right now, but (laughs) I guess you're right. You know, I said, yeah, I I get it. But, you know, it's like Buzz Lightyear said when he found out he wasn't a space ranger and he was a toy and he couldn't fly. And they said, I'm going to fall with style. And we have to embrace failure as a path to success. You know, and, and I, I get to work with a lot of teens and it's about cultivating a skill set because we know nobody's born with focus, confidence, self-discipline. Nobody's born with any of those life skills. And the good news is, as a parent, I know it can be taught and through practice it can become habit. And that's the cool thing. You know, for any of us, young or old, but in particular at this tender age, you know, going through teen years where you're becoming this I- adult and, you know, cultivating your identity but also still a child and having to answer to your parents, right? Yeah. Yeah, when you're coaching kids, what do you see as the biggest struggle that they're going through? You know, social media, I think, is is one of the biggest things. It it truly, truly is. You know, I mean, I'm 60 years old. I, I got married late in life. As I grew up without the internet and cell phones and those different things, And I remember one time my son said to me, I'm smarter than you, Papa. I said, you are. All of 12 years old, why why, why are you smarter than me? He says, because I have a phone. I have a smartphone. I said, really? Wow. So so I sat with that for a moment and I really digested and I recognized we live in an information society, but like O.S. Smith said, we're drowning in information and we're starving for wisdom. Mm. And, you know, I had the birds and bees talk with him recently because he's 13 now and you know he's coming into that space and I shared with him about when I was molested as a child and what that meant to be a victim and have my self taken away from me I said you know you and your friends can pull out a cell phone and look up things that we never could growing up and I don't believe a lot of it's appropriate but you need to know that it ranges from true intimacy all the way to this distorted distorted things and you, you you have it right there at your fingertips and and so to try to ground him you know because they will they're going to take out their phones and they can see things we never saw growing up never right right and so i i think social media is something that's hard to monitor for our children but one that is important um you know, looking at the, the whole selfie culture and the number of ambition of a teenager is to be a YouTuber or an influencer. And that's challenging. That's yeah. one of the biggest challenges for young people. We had four channels growing up. Now they have thousands and they can <laughs> see everything, right? But do they really yeah. have the life experience and the wisdom to take that in? 
right, to take that information in and right. be able to deduce what's what's good or not. So, yeah. I it's mean, one thing, yeah. yeah. It's one thing to read about stuff. It's another thing to actually experience life and, like, practice life mm-hmm. and get skills because that's where the confidence comes is by gaining competence. So you've, you've done all these different things in all these different arenas, music, music, martial arts, you've written books, you're a public speaker. So why do you think you've been able to accomplish so much in so many different areas? Is it because you just take massive action or is it because you, do you focus on one thing until you get really good at that and then you go do something else? How, how, what is your secret? You know, I think everybody's a little different and you can read debates and articles all the time. Procrastination's a good thing because if you procrastinate, then you really think about what it is you're doing. Um, I have bursts. I have, I hit walls all the time. I think it's waking up every day and, and I just was speaking with someone that's, I'm trying to get more public speaking stuff and they said, well, I have a hard time labeling you. I said, yep, most people do. Because <laughs> I'm just here to live my best life and that's what I want right. to do. So recently I did Meta, you know, which is formerly Facebook. And right. I go from Meta to teaching a kid's class to going to speak at the City College on Leadership to, you know, it, it's just living your best life is as, as long as I can impact people's lives or companies or businesses, then I'm grateful for that. And so massive action isn't really an issue. I think it's really just doing one thing at a time until it's done. Mm-hmm. and recognizing it will never be perfect, it will never be complete, and get it out is better than get it perfect. And you've got to be willing to put yourself out there each and every day and be willing to be criticized and failed and ridiculed, and that's just part of the course, right? The minute you put yourself yeah. out in the public eye, that's going to happen. That's going to happen, and, and that's why I believe it's really important for our teens that whatever exposure they have publicly that they have the maturity or the anchor or something to support them. You know, in that process, I was in Korea speaking, and the number one cause of death with teenagers is suicide. Mm. And as I began to do my research on that, Rachel, it was just a lot of it stemmed around, you know, the whole selfie, Instagram, TikTok culture, and, you know, it does, it wears on the soul if someone's always ridiculing you and criticizing you, because it's just, you know, it's so easy, it's just a keystroke. You never see the person you're hurting. You never see how it's impacting their lives. And so that I, I had to share that with them. And, and they looked at me like, wow, you know, wake up calls are a tough thing. I, I think they are. But again, giving yeah. our kids purpose, I think purpose is huge, huge. So how do you, how do you, how do you share focus or, or purpose <clears throat> with kids? How do you help them see their purpose? Well, Seeing and being an example are two different things. Because, you know, I mean, I have an older son too, so let me preframe that. I had a child at 16 years old. So my son, my older son's in his 40s. So we kind of grew up together and we're best friends. He was the best man at my wedding. I just saw him for his birthday. So we've always had this amazing relationship. And the big thing, I remember the first time, I think it was 19 or 20, and I went to see him. And he had a cigarette. He was smoking a cigarette. And I stood there and I realized, you know, my kids are not my kids. 
they have to figure this stuff out on their own. And that's probably one of the most humbling, humbling states to be in. And as I, I was sharing that with my wife, because my kids are 13 and 10 now, and you know, I'm telling her, babe, you got no idea. <laughs> you know, no idea. Like we were in Vegas, so we stayed an extra night and we let my son go hang out with his friends on the strip. Now you got three or four 13 year olds running around the Vegas strip. And I did, I felt very vulnerable. And I remember sitting there, I text him a couple of times, you okay, did you eat, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But we have to let them go. They will only grow if they make their own mistakes. And, you know, without physically hurting themselves and others, sometimes you just got to take a back seat and, and let them be. Let them be. Yeah. And that's really hard to do. It's really hard to do, especially as they're in, the, in between like this. So... I think recognizing certain life skills, Rachel, like number one is confidence. And when I teach a class to four-year-olds, I say confidence means to believe in yourself. But nobody's born believing in themselves. For example, how many of you can ride a bike right now? I can. Awesome. The first time you rode a bike, could you do it very well? Oh, no, I fell down. I said, me too. I was scared. But you know what? You know how you earn confidence? Number one, you never give up. Two, you always do your best. And three, you love to work really, really hard. And if you're willing to do those three things, you can earn confidence at anything you choose. Writing, art, basketball. So I think once kids know, you know, I don't have to be born with confidence or a very common one is focus, right? The reason nobody wants to learn focus is because someone's always, you know, calling them out. Pay attention. Look at me when I'm talking to you. I talk, oh man. I don't want any of that. And that goes right up into teens and into adulthood. So I think when they recognize the value of these life skills that serve them today, then the potential is unlimited. I think for us parents, Rachel, the the hard part is, how do we talk to our teens, you know, in a way that we feel like we're really making that difference? Because, you know, they'll roll their eyes at you. They'll answer you with a huh, uh uh-huh, yeah. I, I get all that. I get all that. But I believe that we should be committed to communicating on a level that's not only their level, but challenging them to elevate up a little bit so we can have a more meaningful conversation. Yeah. And I think a lot of times they, yeah, they may roll their eyes, but you, they're getting more than you think they are. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. How do we help them find their purpose? when it seems really murky because they don't really know. Do you just let, like in our house, we're like, try all kinds of stuff because you don't know what you're going to like. I think it's much, I think it's much like food. You know, you got to at least try it. Yeah. Uh, when we commit to anything my kids do, they have to do a semester of it or they have to do, you know, a season of it. They have to. I mean, that's right. the commitment. That's the commitment to this. And sometimes... You know, Papa and Mama know best. Other times we have to get out of the way. Other times we have to just listen. Other times we're there with Band-Aids and Neosporin waiting to pick them up, right? And, yeah. and I just try to be mindful never to say, I told you so. Mm-hmm. I told you so. Yeah, nobody uh, wants to be told that. No, nobody does, especially when they're <laughs> injured or they're hurt or they're bummed out, right? Or they're right. bummed out and we're just rubbing salt in the wound there. So I, I believe... This time around for me, my choice of words are more measured, but I'm very big on accountability. And one of the things we teach in the martial arts is respect is treat people the way you want to be treated, right? 
And if my son uses a bad tone with me in front of people or something, I have no problem having a discussion with him immediately. That that's simply not cool because I would never do that to you, right? So let's be mindful yeah. of that. And I yeah. get it. You know, I read the study that, well, at 13 years old, their brain is in like a cocoon and they're only using a small part of their brain. And I, I get all that. I get all that. Yeah. But I think it's important to be accountable. And if we teach our children to be accountable, they'll make better choices. I think yeah. that's, that's It's important. not an excuse no. for bad behavior. Right. I agree. Yeah. But define bad behavior to a 13-year-old or a 15-year-old. Right. I'm just, yeah. 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 Yeah, I know that their prefrontal cortex is not developed yet. Yep. And sometimes that gives me more patience or grace. But I also realize that that is not going to be an excuse for them mm -hmm. to be a jerk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they can be, right? They really can yeah. be. And I know they don't mean to be. But if I can help them process that so they don't do that, you know, when they're applying for a job or a scholarship or to somebody that may not be so kind and want to punch them in the head, you know, then that, I think that's important too. That's yeah. important too. So I'm ever mindful of that. I mean, I would never embarrass my kids in front of other people, but I have no problem pulling them 10 feet away and letting them know that is not cool. Right. No, that is yeah, we're cool. playing the long game. I think a lot of parents don't think that. They're just trying to get through the day. You know, we're playing the long game. I'm always telling my kids, I want my future sons and daughters-in-laws to love me. So you are going to learn how to do things. You're going to know how to, you know, clean your room and keep your room clean and do the dishes and scrub the toilet because nobody's going to want to marry you and then have to clean up after you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. My kids have had chores since they were four years old, you know, and they, they have chores to this day. You know? Yeah. They do. Yeah. They absolutely do. Because if they contribute to the family, then they understand, you know, they develop work ethic, right? Which is powerful. They understand the value of contribution and they understand the value of family, right? Family yeah. takes care of each other. We look out for each other. You know, I didn't have that. I grew up in a broken family. I grew up in foster homes. So I know what that's like. And to see the yin and the yang of that from both ends of it. I get it. And we could do a perfect job. And our kids will go out there and make the worst choices in the world. And right. that's it. I mean, eventually you got to let go. And yeah. the first time I saw my older son with a cigarette in his mouth, and then he went through drinking for a while and all these different things. I remember when he was in his 30s, he said, Papa, you were right. I said, what are we talking about? He says, remember what you told me when I was 17? I said, yeah, but you know, I don't want to be right. I just want to get it right. And that's right. all I'm trying to do here. I just want to get it right with you, even when things feel so wrong and, and they're crazy and confusing. If I can get it right with you, that's the value of the relationship. Because no relationship's perfect. It never will be. It never will be. You know? Right. Yeah. But, you know, We're so. not trying to make you suffer. No. We don't want to be right. We just want you to succeed in the end. <laughs> yeah, whatever that means, right? right? Whatever that means and define that for yourself. You know, right? And as you're experimenting and trying different things and doing all those things, then hopefully you'll discover what makes you happy. Right? Because, I, I mean, when the day's done, you know, I work with a lot of high-end clients and things like that. And when we die, you rich, poor, you go on the ground the same way. Yeah. Right? So, the, so it's not money. And we're taught that in this culture. And that's a scary part, too. You know, that money defines success. Money is your self-worth. Look at the shoes I'm wearing. Look at the watch I have. Look at the phone I have. And I get it at that age because they're trying to figure out who they are. They want the coolest shoes. They want the latest iPhone. I get all that. But how do we temper that? You know, how do we balance that out?
you yeah. know, for, for our children so they don't identify themselves with a brand. Uh, so that, that's a challenge too. Yeah. So, so do you think that, I know you've done martial arts your whole life. Do you think that the skills that you learned from doing that, you know, from the very beginning has helped you accomplish all that you've accomplished? Absolutely. You know, once I really understood the difference between being disciplined and self-discipline. Now, my father was military, you know, he's, he's from the Philippines, so he was a disciplinarian. And I fought for 20 years of my life, so I trained six days a week, four hours a day, tournaments every other weekend. So he was my father, my martial arts instructor, and my coach. Told me when to sleep, when to eat, how much to eat, how many push-ups to do, what to do in the ring. So I woke up at 18 years old, and I had no self-discipline. I was disciplined. So once I discovered that, really, in our culture, again, when we hear the word discipline, what do we think? punishment, disciplinary right. action, where, again, in most other cultures, Eastern cultures especially, discipline's a way of life. So when I broke it down, discipline simply means to always do your best. That's it. Not when you feel like it, not when it's fun, not only when it's to your liking, but to always do your best. Because how do you feel when you do your best? 99% of the population will say, great, awesome. And when you feel great about yourself, we call that self-esteem. Oh, cool. So I can earn self-esteem if I always do my best? Yep. So whether you're cleaning your room, eating a taco, or working on those SATs, if you always do your best, you're going to feel good about who you are. And, and that's a good day. Yeah. You know, I just had a thought. Does the word disciple and the word discipline, are they connected? Yeah, you know, I, you know I, I'm big on playing with words. And I like that, that, you know, I discovered that same thing because it's scary. I stood in the lineup because, again, my dad was military. So it's like freaking Cobra Kai. Yes, sir. How many push-ups? Absolutely. Right? And I wanted to win my father's approval. No matter how dysfunctional that relationship was, I wanted to win his approval. So you're right. And that's a bad place for a teacher or a leader to be in. When you have disciples, that's not a good day. Not for me as a leader. For me, a leader should be humble. A leader should be empathetic. They should lead by example, right? It's not this control and command environment that so many people, almost to the point, you know, we talk about culture of a home or a business or a community. The first four letters in culture is cult. So be careful. So I hear you right. on that one. Yeah, it's very easy. You know, if I stand like a good soldier and do everything you say, I'm a good student. No, I'm not. I'm a, I'm a minion. I'm a robot simply doing what I'm told to do. And there's no individuality in that. I think it depends on, I mean, like, well, if we look at Jesus, his disciples were not, they were, they followed him out of love. They didn't really, he wasn't like bossing them around. No, he wasn't. Um, and, and he didn't discipline him, did he? No. Not at all. Not at all. I mean, Peter, you know, probably made some of the biggest mistakes and he still loved him to the end. So, right. you know. I mean, yeah, that, I think that's it's like difference. a servant, the servant leadership, you know, that's the difference. It's the servant leader and not the leader who, yeah. the fake leader that who demands, I demand that you follow me. And that's right? scary. Nobody wants to follow that person. Well, because it's ego based. It's based, you know, it's narcissistic. It's just so debilitating. It ends up imploding, you know, in the end. 
So to have enough self-worth and, and have that hope within you to be able to act accordingly, you know, because it's not always the easiest road to hoe, especially when someone's got the Rolex and the Lamborghini and they're selling, 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 and people are going, you know, like the moth to the flame. Oh, yeah, where really I do quite well, but I make sure that it's all service-based and it's not simply based upon, you know, how much revenue can I generate from what it is that I'm doing. And I think we want to be mindful of that to some of the biggest YouTubers out there. These teenagers are giving away $10,000 to sit on a Ferris wheel the longest and not throw up, right? I give you $10,000 if you eat all these gummy bears. And so everything's very reward-driven, monetarily reward-driven. And, and how do we ever get to the point of service and purpose if that's what's the, that proverbial carrot like that is being dangled in front of our teens, right? Yeah, I'm really into this. <laughs> I don't know. I guess it's because I was reading today the story about we don't normally talk about God stuff on here too much. We're Christians, but we don't talk about God stuff a whole lot. But I was reading today about, you know, when James and John came to Jesus and said, we want to sit on your right hand. And he's like, you got it all wrong. Mm -hmm. You know, that is not what this is about. Mm -hmm. It is not about your ambition and being, you know, um, the position it's about doing, you know, being humble and being the least of, you know, making yourself less than everyone else. And I think, you know, I think you've proven that, you know, you just serve people and, and well, good I, things will come. Yeah, but I am a man of You don't have to, you don't have to force them to come, you know, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Well, I'm definitely a man of faith. Yeah. You know, my faith is very important to me. And I have a lot of my team is teenagers and college kids. And I'll be the first one to clean that toilet and say, hit the headset and go, hey guys, I, I got the first toilet. Can someone get the other one, please? You know, that's leadership by example, right? right. I'm the first one to pick up a broom and say, hey, can one of you guys spot out that mirror, right? So I think that's different because these young people are being told what to do all day long, all day long. And I believe creating an environment that cultivates that. Like one time, one of my after-schoolers in our after-school program climbed up on a shelf and broke it. So he was really bummed out. He was freaked out. I said, well, you know, stuff will happen. I said, but what will make this even better is if you fix it. Because well, I don't know how to, sir. I said, well, let's break it down. Let's look at it. And, you know, we ended up unscrewing the shelf and flipping it and putting the broken part in the back. And it was a good day. So I think it's, it's really in those environments welcoming the mistakes as lessons to be learned and making sure they're accountable and without diminishing their self-worth in the process, right? So that's a very, and I know it, we're parents, we get emotional. We get emotional, you could have hurt yourself. You're gonna poke your eye out with that. You're gonna poke your eye out, right? We hear that one all the time, Rachel, but sometimes they need to poke their eye out a little bit. They just simply yeah. They do. Yeah, I don't. I don't believe. Yeah, I've never been one of those people that was trying to protect my kids. You know, oh, you can't go out and do stuff. My kids. I'm, well, well, we built a house with them, so. And that's cool, and and I I love that critical thinking because you know common sense is a lost art. It's bred out of our kids because they can pick up a phone and go, Hey Alexa, Hey Siri, right? And they can just do that. Yeah. And, and for me. That doesn't make them smart. And that's what I told my son when he said, I'm smarter than you, Papa. I got a smartphone. I said, no, you have the ability to look up information 
I have applied learning and life experience to tell you this does work and it doesn't. So there's a huge difference there. There's a huge yeah. difference. So I'm, I'm very passionate about that with my children to get them to think, you know, and, and, and to figure it out. Because they'll always ask me, Papa, you know, you know everything. How do you do that? I said, I don't know. How do you do it? Yeah. I like to do or that to it, my kids. It might not work. I might fail. That's cool. That's, that's all right with me. It's just, you know, keep at Who's living a quick fix, instant gratification. Everything's moving so fast, we don't want to stop and let them figure it out and make those mistakes. Yeah, I like to say, so how do you think you're going to figure that one out? <laughs> yep. That's one of my favorite. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, we're too, we're too quick to tell them how to solve their problems. No, because, you know, we're, we're Papa and Mama. We have all the wisdom. We're the, we're the wise Papa and Mama. That's what we're supposed to do, teach our children. Sometimes the best teacher is to just be quiet. <laughs> just to be quiet and let them be, right? I'm always telling my wife that because she's like 10 years younger than me and she's quick. And I'm just, let it be. They'll figure it out. Yeah. yeah. Also, out. she, you know, you said she's Chinese, and I know the Chinese culture mm. is the the parents love to tell the kids what to do. Absolutely. <laughs> so Absolutely. that's the way she was raised. Like, oh, Absolutely. yeah. Absolutely. But you know, I don't want to spoil that for her either. You know, right. once in a while, I get on my little high horse and I go, you know, I already have a son that's gone through teen years, and here's what I'm telling you. Da, 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 da. And she just looks at me and it, it, it can't register because she hasn't gone through it. You know, and when they go off to college or they move out of the house and you're like, oh, right? <laughs> what? It's like a relationship. I've been in a relationship for 18 years and you're breaking up with me and moving out? What the heck? Yeah. Right? What yeah. the heck? But that's, if we raise our kids right, they should go out in the world and make their own mistakes and create their own life, right? Yeah, we want them to move out. We do. Well, not some people. I see, you know, that 35-year-old <laughs> living in the garage still playing video games, right? I mean, there is that mama's boy. They've done parodies and movies and things like that. Yeah. Because I think for us as parents, it's our it's our mortality. You know, they're growing up, and you go, wow, they're they're out of the house. It's just us. What do we do now? We only get them on Christmas and summer vacations if we're lucky, right? Unless they're doing an intern yeah. somewhere or backpacking across Ireland with their friends. So, birthdays, Christmas, Thanksgiving. What the heck happened? I used to have you every day, 24-7, 365. I was your hero right at one point. Now, I'll be lucky if I get a phone call at Christmas. And if you raise our kids right, they should go out and do that. They really should. Yeah. They really, what's, really it, should. what's the saying? The days are long, but the years are short. Yep. Is that like, Something Yeah, like it happens that. fast. It does. Like, we, got two, we got two out, and it's like, it's good, but it's, it's a little sad. It is. I, I get that. It's a relationship <laughs> is changing completely, Rachel, but it's like yeah. a breakup. It's like, it what? Is. <laughs> what? How'd that work out? How many half millions, you know, I don't know how much money I, I spent on my kids at this point, but it's like, wow, and that's it? All I get is yeah. a, you know, Christmas card and a birthday card, and I get a Father's Day. Hey, how you doing? Not going to see you for Father's Day because me and my friends, we're down at Joshua Tree hiking. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, but yeah. I'll, I'll come see you next week, okay, Papa? Yeah, but next week isn't Father's Day. <laughs> Right? <laughs> Next week isn't Father's Day. Today is Father's Day, and I want you to be here, right? I want So, I mean, that's going to come with it, too. So recognizing it's not a sense of urgency when they hit their teens, but it's being mindful. 
that once they hit that 13, that roughly five, six years they're out of the house. So we need to really prepare them, and not with a sense of fear or urgency, just but to continue to be diligent, because I don't think it's any one aha moment for our kids. I just think it's a constant, you know? It's yeah. a constant. Yeah. Yeah, just be willing. I think one of the most important things is just be willing to communicate, like things that, you know, a lot of times we don't tell them things, like we, we just don't even think about it. They don't know how to do a lot of stuff. And if you don't teach them, they're going to be out on their own trying to figure it out, right? Um, just making it more of an, hey, this is how you, uh, you know, reconcile your bank account. This is, you know, let, watch me do this and let me teach you how to do it. Or, you know, um, hey, we got to change this AC filter every month. Why don't you do it this month? You know, it's it's just involving them in every, giving them skills for everything they're going to need well, and, for when and, they get and out on their own. mindful of that, right? Because we can very yeah. easily move from the hero to the victim rather quickly, right? Especially, you know, we bear the weight, you know, so we go out there and earn and we toil and we give our kids everything and... Right? We want them to have a great childhood and a great teen. These are the most memorable summers. Let them, right? No, you're supposed to put away the darn dishes. You want to go out? Put away the dishes. It's that <laughs> yeah. simple. Because the yeah. rest of that still has to happen, right? It's still got to happen. And my wife's, yeah, don't. You know, my wife's yeah. very diligent about that. The chores in the house have to be done. They just have to be. Because it does. It teaches that work ethic. It teaches you to contribute. So I'm challenged when I work with a lot of students. and. The parents have no chores for them. They look at me like, what? I mean chores. Chores. You don't know what a chore is? No. Do you clean your room? No. You know, the maid comes twice a week. Oh, okay. What do you do at home? I go to school. That has nothing to do. I go to work. What do you do at home for your family? And so, you know, I, I, I'm almost like the advocate to tell parents, be a parent. It's okay. I back you up. Give your kids chores. Right? Have you noticed, because you've been teaching a long time, have you have you noticed that it's changed a lot over the years? Well, I think one of the blessings... That kind of stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Again, now we have a thousand channels and parents, you walk into a restaurant, parents are staring into their cell phone, kids are staring into their cell phone. There's no connection. There's no communication, but that does not happen in our house. We sit down for breakfast every morning. My ritual is the same. And, you know, unless I'm traveling or speaking or teaching, I sit there. I make coffee for me and my wife with my espresso machine, and we sit there together. My kids eat breakfast. And every, you know, I'm home three, four nights a week, and we have dinner together. That's important. It's not the, it's not the quantity of time. It's the quality of time. Yeah. So we're very measured about that. My wife is, is just a beast. Certain amount of family time, vacations, walks, and the kids will be dragging their feet, but nope. Today they went to our garden. We have a garden in Central Park where we bought a plot. And they went and they weeded that thing and they planted tomatoes. And I came home because I, I was in the city taking care of some business. And I said, where is everybody? We're at the garden. We're working on it. I said, oh, I bet the kids are loving that. <laughs> <laughs> but she's very diligent about that. There's no, right. there is no, no compromising that. We do a certain amount of vacations every year. You know, during the pandemic, we socialed with a couple other families. So we we're doing a lot of outdoor things, hiking. You know, the kids had to work out every morning. She sat at Zoom with them as their tutors. And so, you know, that was the one of the best parts of the pandemic. Movie night. We spent a lot of quality family time that under regular circumstances wouldn't have happened. So I yeah. think that's brilliant too as well. 
And we, you know, here we were five days at a basketball tournament. I'm his number one fan sitting in the stand, you know, backing him up only to hear him say, hey, Papa, can I go hang out with my friends after? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You yeah. know, and then we took my daughter around because it was, you know, that balance, right? She's tagging along for this basketball tournament, but we want her to have quality time too. So my wife and I took to a couple of things she wanted to do and everybody was happy. So, yeah. 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 That's good. So we've had a great conversation talking about all kinds of different things. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we, before we wrap it up? You know, I know as we get older, we look at some of the things that are happening in the world with our teens, between the cyberbullying, the outrageous, I think, suicides of what quadrupled in the past decade, the past 20 years, is that don't lose that hope. There's a lot of good, good young people out there. I think it's about exposing our kids to the right ones, sometimes allowing them to be hurt by the wrong ones, and, and let them cultivate that. Because one day, our kids are going to be out there on their own. And they're in freaking Cancun at grad night, and, you know, they have to pay attention, right? Yeah. Don't take a drink from anybody. Make sure if they open the water bottle, you see it first. Da -da -da. I mean, just all that different stuff. And I've got a daughter. And I can tell you the two things she can do really well. She can hit you once really hard, and she can <laughs> run really fast. That's, she can. She can. She can. Yeah. Because the world is what it is. And I want to know that she has a skill set to negotiate any situation she's in and at least run. So, yeah. you know, and that's part of it. So I think it's easy to say we love our kids, and that's all that matters. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It should be the foundation, but giving them the skill set they need to go out in that world and not only thrive, but some days just survive and get through that hard day. Because right? that'll build character, like the Dalai Lama says. It's easy to be great when things are going your way, but can you be great when life is difficult? That's what builds character. That's what makes us better people. So sometimes we have to let them go through that so they realize they're a lot more resilient than we give them credit for and they discover that resilience that they never knew they had. So it's, there's no right or wrong. Parenting is such an inexact science, and I've read every book out there, right? Every book. Yeah, we're, we're doing the best we can, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know? But it is, it is important to let them fail, because, you know, I look back at all the lessons that I've learned, and the best lessons that I learned in my life were always around failure. They weren't when it was easy, and when I aced the test without really studying, I really didn't learn anything. I learned when I, you know, when I messed up and I failed and I had to dig my way out, solve, solve a problem. That is where, that's where the most growth ever, you know, happened for me. So our kids are going to be the same. And, and that's a good thing because they're going to need that skill set to be out in the world, you know, and figure it out when that car breaks down at the side of the road and it's because there's no water in the radiator or they need to change the flat. And, you know, I mean, now we have AAA and we have apps and all this other stuff, but it's nice to figure it out. It's very empowering. It just is. You know? Yeah, and, and it is. I think it's important to give our kids those op opportunities, but more importantly, put them in those situations where they have to figure it out. Yeah, Because it's empowering. Good. It is. Let them be comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, and, and I'm right there. I'll do the best I can to catch you when you fall, but sometimes I'll have to let you fall and just reach out a hand to pick you up, right? 
It's not exact yeah. science. It simply isn't. It's yeah, I, you know, the best place for them to learn the lessons is when they're still at home and yep. they have you to catch them. Yeah. Rather than once they get out on their own and then they're like, you know, getting in a world of hurt. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're going to. It's un- yeah. It's inevitable. Yeah. They will experience death. And it could be ours, right? One day they're going to have to put us in the ground. What's that yeah. going to be like for them? Right? One day someone's going to break my daughter's heart. And all I'm going to be able to do is sit there and, and feel for her and give her a hug and, you know, whatever she wants or needs at that moment. Right? And, and Or they're going to be rejected in a job or whatever it might be. That happened this, you know, my son's new on this basketball team and, and now leave with this story and he didn't get to play but a minute in the championship game no low man on the totem pole right and so after he was really bummed out he didn't want to hang out with anybody he just because he didn't feel like he contributed but then the coach made it really clear we would not be in this championship unless we won those other five games and it's because of the collective that we won you know today we did what we do to win this one and and so I just let him be I didn't talk to him about it I just had to let him be you know, let him go through his emotions. And when he was done, we talked about it. We talked about it. He was cool. And then everything was fine. I think that's the other thing we tend to forget as adults that we must remember. Remember when our kids were little, Rachel, and they could get in a fight. And then two seconds later, they're all happy and playing again. You're like, what? What's this Jekyll and Hyde? How'd that just happen? Yeah. They are resilient. They really are. They yeah. really are. And, and, and sometimes you just have... Sometimes you just have to feel the feelings. Feel yeah. all the feelings. You've got to process it, and then you'll be all right. Well, it's a lot better than just, you know, getting lost down the rabbit hole of TikTok, right? Yeah. Right? And I'm going to yeah. ignore my emotions. It doesn't matter. No, and sometimes I pry it out of my kids. What's going on? Nothing. No. We're going to talk about this. I'm not leaving it because now's the time to talk. It's fresh. It's there. Let's label this emotion. You know, I don't know what it is. Well, tell me what you're feeling. I don't know. Well, that might be anger. Let's figure out why you're angry. I just am. Okay, great. I'm going to come back in five minutes and we'll continue this conversation. But I want to be able to identify this emotion for you, label this emotion for you, and talk about how it's the best way for you to process. You want to go shoot some basketballs? You want to write in a journal? You want to turn music up really loud? You need to punch a kicking bag in the karate school? Let's figure it out because you will honor that emotion. But you can't honor it and work through it until you know what it is for you. Right? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. <laughs> it's never a dull moment. And sometimes, you know, it's the most thankless job in the world being a parent. And it's cool. It's cool. You know? Yeah, that's good advice, even for adults. Like, I, you know, we, we need to think about our feelings and try to process them like that. Well, and, and yeah. that's how we get to a better version of ourselves. You have to honor your feeling. You know, I grew up as a guy. Suck it up, man. Don't cry. Da, 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 da. And it's just like, what? But it was so, you know, I don't watch UFC. But there was a fighter from Ireland. His friend just committed suicide. And he said after he won his match that, you know, men need to be able to be vulnerable. Men need to be able to say, I'm hurt. You know, don't keep it all inside. My friend might still be here if he had a shoulder to cry on. Now I've got to bury yeah. him. So I think it's important that or we have a safe space, as one would say, for us to be vulnerable and honor our feelings. So I think that's important too. And I try to create that for my kids. You know, sometimes my father will rear his ugly head and I go all military. But I've gotten really good about that. Really, really <laughs> good. With a 13-year-old in the house, again, I've gotten really good about it this time. Yeah.
We're all works in progress. We're all works in progress. Yeah. Where can people find you? Well, they can find me everywhere at social media. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. You can follow me at Instagram. I have my podcast, Success Never Sleeps and Mindful Meditations. You can subscribe to that or, you know, you can go to brandonbeliso.com. Are you on all the socials under your name? Yeah. Brandon yeah. Beliso. Yep. Okay. All of them. All of them. And all right. We'll I, uh, link to those. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was a great conversation. No, thank you. Thank you. I'm very <laughs> grateful, Rachel. If you enjoy our podcast, we would love it if you would leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the easier it is for people to find us. Have a great week.